Welcome to the Rediscover the 80s podcast, your mixtape of 80s pop culture. Hey! Here's what's coming up in episode number two. Movies. If you ask me what's my favorite movie of all time, I'm probably going to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love Indiana Jones like a lot of people. Love it. It was, it was a great movie. Everybody loved it. Boys. Which of these did you play more of in the 80s? The Rubik's Cube or with Simon? The Rubik's Cube was better. One, the Rubik's Cube you could take to school. I tended to play the Rubik's Cube more. Um, I took it to school. I couldn't take the Simon to school. Television. Crockett. Vice, Miami. Everybody wanted to dress like uh, Crockett and Tubbs. Things that always stick out in my mind when anyone says Miami Vice is the white suit with the loafers with no socks and the neon pink shirts or whatever, and then the Ferrari. Also, Wapner's Revenge, Food, and Do You Remember? Plus, play along with Topic Trivia and the Backwards Song Challenge. And now, here's your host of the Rediscover the 80s podcast, Mr. Sock of Fleagulls himself, Jason Gross. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rediscover the 80s podcast. I am your humble host, Jason Gross. Thank you so much. For tuning in, we are finally back with episode two. It's been quite a while since the pilot episode debuted, and I appreciate everyone coming back for episode number two. We've made a couple changes in the upcoming episodes, but first I just wanted to thank our podcast panel for their patience, and to you, the listener, for all of your great feedback. As you've probably noticed, we've shortened the episodes from ten topics down to six so the podcast won't be quite as long, but that will also give us the opportunity to produce two podcasts with the same panel. You'll still get to hear trivia, you'll still get to hear the Backward Song Challenge, and there still will be an outtake reel at the end of the show, but we will just shorten it up a little bit so it's not quite a marathon. I also wanted to let you know that I changed the rules a little bit on our topic trivia. All of our panelists will get a chance to avoid Chet Donnelly from Weird Science and his Atomic Wedgie. You stood, buttwad! All our podcast panel has to do is answer three out of six questions correctly, and they will avoid Chet. If they get less than three, then look out. So we made it a little bit easier on our children of the 80s and what they remember about each topic. And speaking of those children of the 80s... Let's go ahead and meet our podcast panel for episode two and their favorite arcade game from the 80s. Rediscover the 80s podcast episode two podcast panel. Up first, he's a toy collector, but not a Canadian rock star from coolandcollected.com. It's Brian Adams. Hi, I'm Brian Adams. I'm from coolandcollected.com, and my favorite arcade game is Donkey Kong. They call him Hail Mary. You can find him on underscoopfire.com and on the Walking Dads podcast. It's Brian Morin. This is Brian Hail Mary Morin of the Walking Dads podcast, and my favorite arcade game is Tapper. The host of the Eclectic Discussion podcast. You can also find him on eclecticrelaxation.com. Of course, it's Eclectic. This is Eclectic from the EDP, hashtag in front. And I had so many favorite arcade games from his Pac-Man to Dragon's Lair, but I love Frogger. 
So they never explain why jumping in the water would kill a frog. He's one of the biggest mask fans you can find and has the website to prove it. The host of BoulderHill.net. It's Eric Tukey. Hi, this is Eric from BoulderHill.net, mask fan site and 80s junkie. And my favorite arcade game from the 1980s was Rampage. There was nothing better than walking around and destroying those buildings and eating the police and the little showering lady who would pop out. Up next, he's known to raise a little hell at TeamHellions.com. It's Kevin Hellions. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Hellions from TeamHellions.com, and my favorite arcade game of the 80s was the box of Nintendo that Woolworth stores would have, and you could play all the games all at once, but until they kicked you out of the store. You can find our next panelist at the cavalcadeofawesome.net. He's also co-host of the Nerd Lunch and Cult Film Club podcasts. It's Paxton Holly. Hello, this is Pax from the Nerd Lunch and Cult Film Club podcasts, and my favorite 80s video game is Karate Champ. He's the host of BrandedInThe80s.com and also a co-host of the Cult Film Club podcast. It's Sean Robert. Hey, my name is Sean Robert, and I'm from Branded in the 80s. And if I had to pick one arcade game as my favorite from the 80s, I'd have to go with the classic Galaga. There's uh, something really awesome about flying a spaceship and shooting a bunch of bugs in space. And uh, you can't play the game without getting one of your ships captured so that you can rescue it. So then you can have two ships. One half of the title pending movie podcast and also a co-host of the Underscoop Fire podcast. Please welcome Chris Tank Tansky. Hi, this is Tank from the Title Pending Movie Podcast with Tank and Folks and the Underscoop Fire Podcast. And my favorite 80s arcade game was Tron. And finally, you've seen some of his articles on rediscoverthe80s.com. He's also my co-host on MassCast. It's Wyatt Bloom. Hi, this is Wyatt Bloom from MassCast and a bunch of other things, all Mobile Armored Strike Command related, along with Jason. And uh, my favorite arcade game was Spy Hunter. Okay, there's our podcast panel for episode two. It's time to warp into our first topic. Let's go while we're young. Movies. The Lost Ark. Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you what mean, do you mean the commandments? You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets that Moses brought down out of Mount Harab and smashed, if you believe in that sort of thing. Any of you guys ever go to Sunday school? If you ask me what's my favorite movie of all time... Probably going to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love Indiana Jones like a lot of people. Love it. It was, it was a great movie. Everybody loved it. An amazing movie. It still is. It holds up today. I don't remember the first time I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I know I've seen it at least 150 times. <laughs> it's probably like every other 80s kid. I mean, what's not to love about this movie? You don't need to understand the history. You just need to understand this good, wholesome, incredible adventure movie. I wouldn't even say action. It's just an adventure. Love that type of adventure where they have something attached back to history and then just the swashbuckling and Harrison Ford was just you know, 
just a fun kind of felt like he fell through all of the fights and everything like not completely put together and just was kind of winging it as he went along which i loved and the sets were great and uh just everything was big and fun and just full of adventure and absolutely love indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark that whole movie though is so amazing um i remember as a kid being just terrified though when the when the guy gets his hand burned on the thing on the headpiece for the staff and then later he holds up his hand and it has that nasty scar and i i think as a kid i thought he really had to burn his hand if you've been in my basement you know i have quite an extensive collection of uh indiana jones memorabilia yeah raiders is is my jam as the kids say you got great villain uh, an iconic character any movie that has Nazis as a villain is, is, is smooth sailing because they're just the ultimate bad guys. Whenever it shows up on the big screen locally, like now, it's it's a must-see for me, uh, even though I've seen it numerous times. What I liked the best about it was all the, the, the booby traps. and Because you didn't get to see, you didn't see a lot of that stuff in real movies. You saw it in cartoons. <laughs> you only saw you know things like that happen in cartoons. But... You know, the, the, yeah, yeah, Nazis. You know, you only saw the Nazis in your Wonder Woman uh, show, Shouts to Linda Carter. I mean, what's not to love about this movie? I mean, from the opening scenes with the, uh, the tarantulas on the guy's back uh, to the very end when they're carting uh, the Ark off into the warehouse. I mean, every, every scene in this movie is just classic. I mean, if you're an 80s kid and you don't like Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's seriously something wrong with you. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think, was a little bit too early for me to have caught in the theater. And for some reason, I didn't revisit it. I saw it on TV, but it was always, like, heavily edited. Um, But it was one of the ones that I didn't really revisit a lot. Like, I saw Temple of Doom, like, a hundred times more than I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, It wasn't until, like, the 90s when I went back to it. And I felt kind of lucky because it felt fresh and new. And, like, I was discovering something from, you know, that I had never seen before. The music obviously has endured for forever john williams who you know put out every almost every good piece of movie music in the 80s Uh, and then harrison ford who showed us that nerds are cool if they also get in fistfights have a whip and a gun Any favorite scenes or favorite lines you remember? Where Indy pulls out his revolver and shoots the uh, the sword-wielding thug in the street. The scene when uh, the scimitar guy in the marketplace comes out and he starts doing his crazy sword play. And Indy just looks at him and, you know, he's, yeah, we're not going to bother with this. And just pulls out his revolver and just shoots him and turns and walks away. The scene with the, the swordsman um, in, the, in the Cairo marketplace where Indy just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Some people don't know it is it was supposed to be a little bit more of an elaborate fight scene, but I, I think uh, Harrison Ford had the squirts and wasn't really up for doing much of anything. So that's how that scene came uh, to fruition. I mean, I love the scene after he's like uh, beaten and battered and bruised on the ship with Marion and 
she's, you know, she keeps going to kiss him and he keeps like reacting like it hurts. And she's like, you know, show me a place where it doesn't hurt. And, you know, he points to his lips. There's there's all that kind of bravado stuff that that I really love. Wow. Well, damn it. Anywhere doesn't it hurt? Here. Here. The bazooka. Dr. Jones, surely you don't think you can escape from this island. It depends on how reasonable we're all willing to be. All I want is the girl. If we refuse, then your Fuhrer has no prize. The scene with the monkey eating the dates, you know, with uh, Jonathan Rhys Davies going, bad date or whatever in his British Egyptian pretend accent thing that he like sort of adjusted for the movie well i know after watching that movie um i always wanted a monkey <laughs> uh he could always eat my food for me and test it make sure i'm not being poisoned that would be fun bad dates i don't know i think i think probably my favorite stuff from the movie is um, the scenes with, I think it's Toth or whatever, the, the character that gets his face melted off at the end. He was just such a creepy kind of just gnarly villain that was capable of anything. I mean, he would get something burnt into his hand and, and like it wouldn't phase him that much. You know, he got the, he was grabbing for the, uh, the, the, um, the one medallion or whatever in the, the fire when he was trying to get it from Marion or whatever. And he just, he gets that burnt into his hand and it's just, I don't know, still kind of had that, gleeful grin on his face. He's just a creepy villain. I, I love all the stuff with him. Good evening, Fraulein. The bar is closed. We are... We are... Not thirsty. The beginning uh, with Alfred Molina when he's going to get the, the idol. Give him the whip. Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. There, there's the boulder run and the dive and you know uh, uh, grabbing the hat and everything I mean there's just it's a movie that as a kid you just love and you don't know why you're like I, I can just sit here all day and watch this and you can't quite place your finger on it and then you find out all the stuff they, they did and it's like oh this goes back to the serial of you know the, the 30s and 40s and this is how you know you used to go in and watch a little you know eight ten minute thing and then go back next week and you're like oh my god i suddenly get the movie now like every couple minutes there's something big and something big and a cliffhanger and this happens and that happens and you're just like oh my gosh i can't believe you know however long movie it is hour and a half two hours it's just blown by out of nowhere and you know suddenly you realize you've been in the same position and your mouth's been open and you know it's all dry and you didn't have to get up to to pee and you didn't hear you know someone calling your name for dinner or whatever like out of nowhere, you realize just how good that movie is. Okay, it's time for our movie trivia on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Name the actor who was originally offered the role of Indiana Jones, but declined due to his obligations to a TV show. Ooh... Early 80s. Okay, you got an answer? Let's see if our panelists got it. Tom Selleck. I know that one. That's Tom Selleck. Oh, let me go with... Harrison Ford. Uh, I 
can't come up with anybody. Uh, 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 John Travolta. Oh. oh my god. I know this. That's why I'm so upset. Uh, was it Burt Reynolds? I really feel like I heard this too recently. Um. Oh my god, I don't know. Um. Wow, I got nothing. Scott Bayo. I believe it was Tom Selleck because he was filming Magnum PI. It was Tom Selleck. <laughs> uh, I believe the answer is Tom Selleck. I remember reading something about this, like on Fox News or something. You know how they missed me? How they almost missed their. Stardom or something. Uh, oh! Tom Selleck. Wagner's Revenge. In this topic, our podcast panel will face the wrath of the mighty overseer of the People's Court, Judge Wapner. No longer bound by small claims court, Judge Wapner is now working criminal cases and sentencing our guilty podcasters in any way he sees fit. What you'll be hearing in this topic is not real, but our panelists are very real and will be giving real answers. Each of them, having been found guilty of a crime, have agreed to dismiss their court cases to be sentenced here in the Rediscover the 80s Court. we find our podcasters have been arrested for illegally downloading songs from Napster 13 years ago. They are brought before Judge Wapner and plead their case that they purchased music on vinyl and cassette and should have owned the right to download them for free as MP3s. Judge Wapner does not buy their plea and sentences them to 24 hours of solitary confinement. Of course, their cell is no ordinary room. It is an IMAX cell in which all of the walls, including the ceiling and floor, are television screens. For their entire day of captivity, Judge Wapner gives our podcasters the option of watching one music video on continuous loop. Their choices are Tony Basil's Mickey... Or Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Oh my god, I don't I don't want to listen to either of those. Or, or watch them, for that matter. It's, this is definitely worse than uh, episode one's sentence from Walker. He, he's definitely uh, up in the ante here. Here's the problem with... with old ass Judge Wapner he doesn't understand what's going listen I need to talk to Doug Llewellyn again because this, this is no good yikes I mean one song's better than the other but one video's 
better than the other in some way because I guess watching a girl in a cheerleader costume would be very appealing. If I'm if I'm going based on song, I'm I'm doing the Jitterbug. It's just a little bit more catchy and less annoying in my opinion. Uh, and I think I'll just start repeating the the opening. Uh, of the song to myself and just rocking myself back and forth and maybe you know picking up some uh, cool dance moves to begin with uh, i'm sure i'll try and fashion my, my prison uniform into some kind of white sweater with black lettering on it and just uh, carry out my days until my sentence is over all right so mickey pros you have a bunch of cheerleaders but that song while how good it can get a little a little grating after a while especially if you're stuck there listening to it on a loop over and over and over again wake me up before you go go wham love wham i'm I'm actually a fan Uh, unfortunately you're watching a couple of greased up pretty boys and mid-cut tops dancing around in neon so the visual's not great on one visual's good on another audio I'm probably, if I'm going to have to pick this and go, and since it's a 24-hour loop, I'm going to have to go ahead, as much as I'm going to regret this, say Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, because I love that song, and it, it makes me want to dance, and just, if if I'm stuck in that room and just dancing, then I'm having a good old time. I have never been a big fan of Wham, or George Michael, you know, I, I would listen to the songs here and there, and... and appreciate them for what they were but that was about it now that being said i was never a huge fan of mickey just watching that that music video for you know one run of it it's already pretty repetitive jeez i don't know i I guess i'm gonna have to go with wake me up before you go go but i'm not going to be happy about it and i'm probably going to come out of that cell as uh you know a sociopath or something like that or a psychopath and i'm probably going to murder people so, you can just blame Wapner for that, though. Okay, wake me up before you go. No, no. Tony Basil and Mickey is at least a positive, cheerful, high-energy song. You know what wake me up before you go is? Live. Live. Okay? What's the line? Wake me up before you go, go. I don't plan on going solo. Well, you know what? I bet you the other guy from Wham! will highly debate that one, George Michael. I'm going to have to go with Tony Basil and the whole uh, Hey Mickey thing because I think I would be able to shut out the actual music if I closed my eyes and the beat would be enough for me to fill in all the blanks with the Weird Al Yankovic version of uh, Oh Ricky. I don't even remember what the music video for Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go is, but I definitely remember the Mickey music video. Um, I've always liked Mickey. Guilty pleasure. It's really hard to call any of my musical choices guilty pleasures because there's so many that just starts to be either guilty or pleasure. Um, I guess the guilty pleasure is very appropriate because I've been convicted here. So, yeah, definitely going to go with Mickey. Uh, If nothing else, cheerleaders, right? I don't remember the Wham! video, but I always had a fascination with girls. And, and, you know, hey, if they're going to be cheerleaders, you might as well just watch that. I think I'd just go with that. With, uh, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. I just have to plug my ears. Well, I think the options are clear. You can watch Cheerleaders all day, or you can watch George Michael in tight shorts. Cheerleaders win. If I have to pick, 
I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Mickey, and I'm gonna tell you why. It's pure entertainment. You got um, Tony Basil with her awful makeup, but you got the all the cheerleaders. And what you could do, and what I would do for the uh, whole time that I'm there, is I'm gonna go and name each cheerleader. So you got the uh, you got the weird looking uh, blonde one that looked like um, Shelly Duvall, and then you got the, the giant thick chocolate <laughs> one that looked like uh, Mean Joe Green, the big thick linebacker looking chick who's at the bottom of the uh, pyramid. So I would name I would name her I would name her like Bubba or something. And I, I would learn the choreography, you know, um, since it's IMAX, you know, uh, Tony's going to be, she's going to be life size. So I'm going to, when she throws the punches at the screen, I'll like shadow box with her. Um, I will obviously get good cardio. Maybe I'll do some break dancing. And then like when I'm spinning on my back, I'm looking up at Tony and she's haymaking. Yeah, I can, I can, I can put up with that for 24 hours. You got to go with Mickey. You have to. For one, okay, she was, you know, we've all seen cuter pop stars before and since. So she, you know, Tori Basil wasn't that bad, but it's still a cheerleader video. So you can have a cheerleader video. Too. And, and your solitary confinement, no one else is around. You watch cheerleaders, take care of yourself, take a little nap. You know, by, by then, some of your 24 hours of solitary confinement is over. And, I mean, worst comes to worst, get some cardio in, you know, reenact the dance, and I'll get the cheerleader routine going. Yourself up. I mean, those two videos, they pretty much define what was awful in the 80s. <laughs> and when people look back and say how horrible the 80s might have been, those are probably the two things to bring up first. Okay, it's time for our trivia on Wapner's Revenge. Of the two songs mentioned in the topic, Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and Tony Basil's Mickey, which was released first? 50-50 chance. Okay, let's see what our panelists said. Mickey. Um, Mickey? Well, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Mickey because I know that that was, that was like 80 or 81. So I can't imagine the other one coming out before that. Um, God. I have no, I have no basis to use, so I'm, I'm totally shooting in the dark here. Uh, wake me up before you go-go? Mickey. I have my first memory is of Mickey, so I'm going to say Mickey was released first. Oh, was it Tony Basil's? Hmm. I think, I think Mickey was. I think Ram actually came out before that. Voice. Which of these did you play more of in the 80s? The Rubik's Cube? There's never been a puzzle quite like Rubik's Cube, and America may never be the same. A medical journal has written about a unique phenomenon, Rubik's Thumb. A museum recognized it as a work of art. Rubik's Cube has been involved in divorce proceedings. People are practicing at clinics, entering contests, and competing across the country. Rubik's Cube from Ideal. 25 million Americans have made it a part of their lives. How about you? Or with Simon. 
Simon sets the pace. You follow right along. Light the lights that Simon lights or he'll tell you that you're wrong. Simon's a computer. Simon has a brain. You either do what Simon says or else go down the drain. Simon is a master. He tells you what to do. But you can master Simon if you follow every clue. And if you think Simon's fun at a party, wait till you play it alone. Simon with five ways to play from MB Electronics. I never had a Simon, but I wanted it. I coveted it. I, there was friends that had it, and the glowing lights and everything were, oh my god, I so wanted to play with that. You know what? I, I had them both, but I think I, if, if they were both in front of me right now, I'd probably choose Simon. Yes, uh, uh, Rubik's Cube made me feel dumb, and I had to uh, take the stickers off. Uh, I never really had the actual Rubik's Cube. I had the keychain version. Or I had, like, the bootleg kinds. <laughs> I don't know. My parents were too busy buying me Star Wars uh, toys to pony up and get the good Rubik's Cube. But uh, I had all versions of Simon. You had the little one, then the medium-sized one, and then the giant circular one. And uh, I think I had more fun playing Simon, just doing the colors and getting so pissed at myself for messing up. I definitely played more with Simon because the fun was in the challenge. And with Rubik's Cube, I usually had to break it apart, put the pieces in order, and then like screw it back together, because I couldn't do it. But uh, Simon, I played a lot of, and I was good at it, so that probably helped. Uh, I was pretty good at remembering it. My grandmother was the one who bought it. You know, your grandparents always buy some of the, they don't always buy what you'd expect them for toys and gifts and stuff, um, but she did a good job on that one with Simon. I was really happy. And I remember the commercials for it, and like it was like the back alley Simon showdown with like these kids in jean jackets with the like spiked hair, and Ray Bans, and I, as a kid, thought that that was cool. Apparently, like that's what kids did when they hung out in questionable areas at night. Johnny, you're the challenge of a lifetime. I want you, Simon. Once again, we two compete. You're the one I have to be. One of us must face the heat. Victory will be so sweet. Simon, you're the challenge of the night. Thank you, Simon. Rubik's Cube. Definitely the Rubik's Cube. I think I probably played Rubik's a hair more than Simon. The Rubik's Cube was better. One Rubik's Cube you could take to school. I tended to play the Rubik's Cube more. Um, I took it to school. I couldn't take the Simon to school. I don't know if I ever played Simon all that much, but Rubik's Cube, we always had one of those around, or one of the Rubik's toys, like the snake. Just like that thing that would randomly, you know, everyone's together for a birthday party or Christmas or Thanksgiving. Someone starts messing around with it, just an idle hand sort of thing and then they set it down now the next person has to grab it it was that thing that was always out every time during a family gathering i did have a rubik's cube and uh i was never able to to solve it as a kid it was always oh look i I solved one side and that was it then as you know as i got older i I found one somewhere and i was i'm able to get like two-thirds of it solved but that's about it i'm not smart enough to, to 
get the rest of it. I had a Rubik's Cube that I I uh, managed to take apart so that I could reconstruct it and put the pieces in the correct order because I couldn't solve that thing for the life of me. My dad used to work for an electronics company in the 80s, and I did have a, a Rubik's that was relatively easy to solve because it was just two colors that interchanged on the sides. It was just blue and white for his uh, company logo. That made it a little bit easier, uh, but I, I still couldn't solve it for the life of me. <laughs> I still can't do it. I have no idea how, how anybody can do it, let alone people that do it with their feet while handcuffed and you know, <laughs> blindfolded. But I remember what we used to do. We used to either break it apart and put it all back together so you get all the colors lined up, or my trick was to just peel off all the stickers and put them all back. And that was the only way my Rubik's Cube would ever look like it did when it came out of the box. You could tell when somebody had peeled the stickers off and put them on the other side just to, you know, say that they solved it. You could you could tell that. But then the the inventive people, the engineers, who actually take it apart. When you take it apart, there's little notches and it was like a big ball in the middle and you you could uh, move them around. I had an uncle that knew the trick for it. I mean, the trick being supposedly if you move it certain number of times at certain angles and everything, you'll solve it no matter how messed up it is, it just as a, as a math equation. And he knew it, so he learned the, the bar trick of doing it behind his back or you know, I'd close whatever it might be, and he would be able to solve it. But then my cousin said, well, I can do it too. And I realized what she was doing was breaking it apart and reassembling it. Because uh, it had sort of like a little ball and socket kind of thing to make them move and slide along on there. Or at least the one we had, something like that. So she would just break it all apart and then pop it back together and come out. Oh, I solved it. You know, I, re I remember my cousins had at their church, they had like a, like a carnival. And I remember going one year, and they had a Rubik's Cube solving race or something where they had five or six people get up on stage, each had a Rubik's Cube, and, and they raced each other to solve it. And uh, I don't remember if anybody did it or how long it took, but I just remember thinking, yeah, I can go one side, I should get up there. <laughs> Granted, I was probably you know, eight or nine years old at the time. McDonald's had their own Rubik's Cube, and each color was a menu item. So on one side, like the yellow was uh, french fries and the other one was like a Big Mac and then it had Icy Cold Thick Shake Sunday and Apple Pie. So McDonald's had their own uh, Rubik's Cube, so that was cool. And on top of that, what you did was you would twist it and you could use that as bunkers for your G.I. Joe man. So you twist it to one side and you have like uh, a Viper holding his rifle on it or you could have somebody sitting on top of it or a sniper. Uh, laying across the top trying to shoot somebody in the face or when you had your he-man you would use it as that was some kind of mystic orb box sphere shape square cube <laughs> that everybody was trying to get or it had some kind of magic powers so a rubik's cube was way more versatile rubik's cube over three billion combinations but just one solution from ideal Okay, it's time for our toy trivia on Simon. On the original Simon game, was the color blue in the top half or the bottom half? 50-50. Okay, let's see what our panel said. Oh, boy. Let's say top half. Hmm. I'm gonna... I really have no idea. I'm gonna say bottom half. Definitely bottom. Definitely bottom because the top was red and green. 
Well, the colors I'm remembering were, I want to say, red, yellow, blue, and green. So those are the four colors. Um, blue on the top or the bottom? I couldn't. Uh, I shot in the dark. The bottom? Bottom. Uh, I want to say is on the top. I'm going to go, is it bottom right? Uh, top half or bottom half? I think it was on the bottom half. Um, I'll, I'll assume the lower half. Okay, let's quickly check the trivia score before we go to the break. Hail Mary, Sean, and Tank all went three for three in the first half of the show and are safe from Chet and the Wedgie. Brian, Eclectic, Kevin, Pax, and Wyatt all went two for three and just need one in the second half, while Eric... He's going to have his work cut out for him and get two out of three in the second half to avoid the wedgie. More topics coming your way, but first, it's the Backwards Song Challenge. Backwards Song Challenge. See if you can name this song. Let's hear it one more time. The answer is coming up after the break. You know the feeling when you get to sit back and let someone else do the work, but experience something awesome that brings a warm feeling of nostalgia and a current comfort as well. That feeling is Pizza Day. The Underscoop Fire Podcast. Pizza Day for your ears. Welcome to the Cult Film Club, a monthly podcast and blog all about the movies we love to death, despite how bad, weird, or obscure they are. In fact, we love them because they're bad, weird, or obscure. We discuss and analyze cult films from the 60s to the 80s and beyond. So if you dig movies like Rad, The Shadow, or The Last Dragon, why not give our show a chance? But don't just take our word for it. This is Bill Allen from the movie Rad, and Cult Film Club is Rad. Thanks, Bill. So visit us at www.cultfilmclub.com, or you can download the show via iTunes or Stitcher. And remember, it's all about the movies we love to death. Welcome back to the Rediscover the 80s podcast. Backwards Song Challenge. Okay, did you guess the Backwards Song Challenge? Here's the answer. Gonna make some mistakes. So to you other kids all across the land. There's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. It's 1988 and Jeffrey Towns and Will Smith, better known as DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, reached number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart with Parents Just Don't Understand. The track from their multi-platinum album, He's the DJ and I'm the Rapper, would only be topped by their 1991 hit, Summertime, which climbed all the way to number four. Thank you for that lovely tune. That funky music will drive us till the dawn. Let's go, let's boogaloo till we puke. Now let's get back to our topics. Television. Crockett. Vice, Miami.
Fies. I would call it Baywatch before Baywatch. Yes, Miami Vice, definitely the fashion police. Ah, Miami Vice. Yeah, that was a pretty big one when I was around in fourth, fifth, sixth grade. The things that always stick out in my mind when anyone says Miami Vice is the white suit with the loafers with no socks and the neon pink shirts or whatever, and then the Ferrari. Miami Vice was an interesting show for me because I grew up in Orlando. So there was this weird vibe that I felt like it was like something that was happening like just down the street or, you know, downtown Orlando or something like that. Even though I knew it was in Miami. It was a little bit further away from me than that. But so I, I kind of grew up feeling like uh, Florida was the center of the universe that way because Miami Vice was such a big show on television. Sonny Crockett, Rico Tubbs, those guys were, were all the stuff back in the 80s. I remember everybody wanted to dress like uh, Crockett and Tubbs. I remember being in high school at the time, I think I was a sophomore, and there were two guys that were uh, seniors, and every day they would come to school. They wouldn't have any socks, just the shoes. They'd have their white blazers on. One was Crockett, one was Subs, and I thought they were the coolest thing, and about a year later, I thought they were the biggest dorks around. Miami Vice, like, I, I was a little bit too young to watch it. I was aware of it. I knew it just sit out no time it came on, like, nine or ten at night. But that was the show that taught me everything my mom hated. Because she was like, oh, the show's trash, just on the beach. And they show bikinis all the time. And they're smoking and they're supposed to be good guys. And her immense, immense hatred of facial hair. Because Don Johnson had that, that double that then became the in thing to do. That along with, you know, rolling up the arms of your sport coat. But he had that double constantly on the show. And she hated it so much. And anytime I go home to do a visit and I haven't shaved within like the last hour because my facial hair grows really thick really quickly, I'm in so much trouble. I am in my 30s and I still get yelled at by my mother for not shaving. And I blame it all on Don Johnson. It was the the birth of the five o'clock shadow. That's the one takeaway from it that never seemed to go away. I think before that, Every man in America would shave, but for whatever reason, once uh, Crockett stopped shaving, everybody else did too. And uh, Gillette sales uh, went down, down, down. <laughs> so. Miami Vice, you know, I just started rewatching that. It, you get the best of everything. You get the you get the fashion. You get the what exactly is uh, Philip Michael Thomas because he's, he's black, but not really. He could just have a really deep tan. <laughs> you had. You had Edward James almost in his awful skin. Uh, you had Olivia Brown, who was who, who I known from the Eddie Murphy movie. I think it was uh, Forty Eight Hours. I think, and she was giving him some trim. But you had, you had good music. You had shootouts. You had you had Meatloaf songs and Phil Collins. And the, the of course, like I said, the clothes. You had the the, the crocodile or alligator. You know. Uh, the cars, cars kicked ass. You had, you had a, a Ferrari, um, the, the Chevrolet, the, 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 what was it, the Corvette, the C3, uh, boats, explosions, drug dealing. Uh, incredible show. It's very 80s. It is, is, but when you rewatch it, it's, it's damn sure uh, hilarious. This is Miami, pal. Unfortunately, I was eight years old when Miami Vice uh, debuted, so that wasn't really something I was allowed to stay up and watch. 
So as far as it being part of my personal lexicon, it really wasn't. The only things that were were probably the the music from it. Uh, I mean, the theme song from uh, Jan Hammer or or Jan Hammer. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But uh, obviously that was on constant rotation on the radio or In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Ah, There was a couple songs from uh, uh, Glenn Fry or Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. But uh, as far as I, I mean, I was familiar with the characters and, you know, with the fashion and with the boats and the cars. And I would always see the little uh, print ad in the TV guide that it was on NBC at 10 p.m. But as far as seeing it, I, I honestly, I've never seen an episode. But uh, I know there's a board game for it. Don't matter to me, pal. I pass because I never watched that show ever. It's not that I avoided it. I just was never introduced and watched it. So I just know that there was, I think, a Lamborghini and the dude with the white suit. And that's about it. And I only know that from watching Friends. Because they dressed up like them. Well, listen, pal, you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper. Well, Miami Vice is uh, one of those big 80s properties, I guess, that I, it was lost on me. I don't think I ever watched an episode. Although I do remember the look, the spring... Uh, colored t-shirts and uh and, and like sports jackets but i think the thing I, I remember most about miami vice was actually from uh the movie the wedding singer with uh glenn gulia basically idolizing don johnson and dressing just like him you're gonna need help pal this is gonna be a little geek confession here i had never really liked miami vice uh it seemed like everyone was watching it, and I could not get into it. I remember around about the same time was another show I was watching called Misfits of Science. But uh, I tried to watch it. I couldn't get into it. But the thing I did love about Miami Vice was I remember distinctly the soundtrack that came out, the Jan Hammer soundtrack that came out in 1985. Had a bunch of great artists on it, like Glenn Frey and Phil Collins. And my favorite song was Vice by... Uh, Melly Mel, Grandmaster Melly Mel. Great song, and hearing that song now takes me back to like playing uh, Nerf basketball games in the basement of one of my friends' houses. So, uh, so Miami Vice does have good memories for me, but the show itself, I never really enjoyed as much as everyone else seems to. Got a regular smorgasbord here at Dope. Hey, pal. Best thing about it is you got to see a whole bunch of stars before they were stars. You know, you had your Sheena Easton on there, and you had um, the guy from from Lost, um, Locke, and he's been bald forever. And who else was on there? Pam Greer, uh, Belinda Montgomery, nobody knows who, who she is. But yeah, Ted Nugent was on there, uh, Gene Simmons, Eartha Kick, yeah, Catwoman on there, rest in peace. Uh, G. Gordon Liddy, shouts to Watergate. Ed O'Neill, you had a very young Al Bundy on the show, and and, and Wesley Snipes. Oh, and for the the Breaking Bad fans, you had a really, really young uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. So, uh, Chris Rock and Ben Stiller was on. Gotta love, gotta love Miami Vice. Miami Vice, uh, definitely, probably one of the coolest shows ever made. Not just in the '80s, but ever. Had the coolest music, coolest cars beautiful women this was appointment television you definitely wanted to tune in to tune in to watch every week uh who didn't want a pet alligator you know i mean what could be better than that it's time for our trivia on miami vice can you name 
Crockett's pet alligator. Got your answer? Let's hear what our podcast panel had to say. Oh, Elvis. What, something to do with the University of Florida mascot or something, where Crockett went to uh, school. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to guess. Um, I don't even know what to guess. Chomper. You know, I was I was I was trying to I was trying to think of that while I was talking about the show. He um he had uh it was it was it was it was Elvis. No, not not with a gun to my head. Uh Dundee. Oh jeez. Alright, alright. I'm gonna just play around and guess that it was in oh, God. Do I want to guess they had some sort of amusing, clever name or just some sort of BS name to throw it out there, like it was a dog? I'm going to say Spa. I remember the alligator very distinctly for some reason. I have no idea why I remember that stupid alligator. Uh, I could not remember the name for the life of me. Um, There's got to be something kind of ridiculous, and I'm going to make a guess like something like Seymour. Oh man, no, I can't. But now that you were, now that you brought that up, I'm like completely remembering that he had a pet alligator. Holy cripes! No, I don't remember the name. I'm gonna have to take an F on this one. Elvis. That I do know. I don't know how. Uh, Jimmy? No idea. Do you remember? This topic will ask our podcast panel to dig deep into their memory banks and see if they can remember. Do you remember remember the first time you played the original Nintendo Entertainment System? I remember the Christmas I actually got it, but I have to backtrack a little bit because I don't think anyone I knew had it. I think the first time I played an NES game was in my local arcade it was diamond gyms and they had that play choice 10 the nes play choice 10 uh, arcade game that was actually just an nes in a cabinet and i i played uh, mario brothers and maybe duck hunt or hogan's alley um and it was that was probably the first time i played an actual nes game before someone i knew got it you know what? I, I think my first time would have been my birthday. I, I got an NES for my birthday, and obviously it came with the one game, Super Mario Brothers. Um, for some reason, didn't get any other ones with my birthday present. Maybe at that time it was that—that's just one present kind of thing. Uh, and immediately hooked it up. Uh, well, I didn't hook it up because I was clueless, but my old man hooked it up, and the rest is history. Uh, I didn't grow up as a. Uh, a person with means so we didn't have the nes when it first came out when you had rob the robot and gyromite uh i remember uh, i got the uh, sega master system instead because everybody had the nes and so i wanted to be different and the sega master system was black but anyway um but my friend had it and i went over his house and i saw rob the robot and i saw super mario it was the first time i ever saw super mario and they wouldn't let me play i had to watch but when I when I actually did get my hands on the stick, it was incredible. Yeah, you, you, you jump buttons and fireball, and you had to learn how to. Because uh, before that game, every game that um, you jumped on was pressing up on the controller. Like when you did Atari, some a lot of the other games you would you would use the button to shoot, 
and you would go, you would press up to jump. But this one had its own dedicated jump button. That was incredible. But uh, playing Super Mario was incredible because it was, it was an elaborate game. You had different characters and you're jumping on turtles because before that we only knew the Super Mario Brothers game with him and Luigi and the big pal button in the middle where you had to just knock people upside down but this was a whole world and and warp zones and the first time you saw somebody do the warp zone was incredible because there's no internet how did people find out and in the hood nobody subscribed to Nintendo Power this stuff was just word of mouth my brother and I were not allowed a Nintendo growing up my mom thought that plugging in any sort of game system into TV would ruin the TV. And thus this, whatever Nintendo's were at time, 100 150 bucks, this $100 system would cause her to have to buy a new three, $400 TV. So refuse to let's have it. So we would sneak over to friends' houses to play. We would even buy our own games to play at friends' houses, bring back and just sit on a shelf, useless until we went somewhere else to play it. But I remember our babysitter letting us play as Luigi in Super Mario Brothers and then getting all sorts of mad because we were eating chips and got the controller so greasy she couldn't play anymore. She had to go out and buy a new controller which we were not allowed to touch because we had made it so greasy with potato chip grease. I want to say my first actual uh, game that I played on it was Duck Hunt. I believe I actually played Duck Hunt for the first time. Christmas of 1987, I think, I got my Nintendo. And I remember my parents had it hooked up to the TV, so when I groggily woke up that morning, uh, I woke up to the sounds of my dad playing Duck Hunt. And uh, I had to uh, run into the living room and, and wrestle the controls because I couldn't believe I had my own brand new video game system. I'd, I'd only had an Atari before that, and I had to get that secondhand at a garage sale. So this is the first time that I ever had my, you know, a brand new game system. And, uh, of course, it came with Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, but they also, uh, my parents bought me a TNC Surf and Skate, and I was a huge fan of town and country clothes back then, Thriller Gorilla and all that stuff, so I pretty much dove into playing that game nonstop for, like, a week after that, but I want to say my first actual uh, game that I played on it was Duck Hunt, after I uh, stole the zapper gun from my dad. It was at one of our friends' place that I first was introduced to it, and it wasn't Super Mario, I think it was actually Duck Hunt. Then I got one, and I remember in the Three Stooges game, and where that is, nobody knows, but I had it at one point. That was a cool game. Hey, this looks like a kid's game. I don't remember the first time I played, but I know the first game I played, so maybe that counts. Uh, The Legend of Zelda would have been the first game. That was it. From that point on, adventure games were my thing. I've never been good. To this day, I can't play fast-paced action games very well, but... The uh, adventure game Zelda, Castlevania, Metroid. Metroid was my big, big game. And then I guess when we went on to college, Tecmo Bowl and uh, Blades of Steel pretty much put me through school, uh, wagering games uh, with the fellows on the hall. But yeah, Legend of Zelda for me. I think the game that I first played, I want to say it was with the, with the Zapper. I want to say it was Hogan's Alley. 
Um, and I think we played some Duck Hunt after that. I was at a friend's house. Um, I was never one of the, the early adopters of any video games. And then uh, I remember playing Gauntlet on the NES uh, pretty early on. I don't remember if that was the first time I played or if I, you know, if I went back over to the kid's house later on and, and played it again. But it was definitely the uh, a game with the zapper. I don't remember if this was the very first time, but it was my one of my first times playing when I got my Nintendo, and uh, I remember playing the Ninja Turtles game. I really hadn't had like a ton of video game experience, and so I was afraid to let my character, my Ninja Turtle, get like killed or hurt. So probably for the first day, all I did was walk back and forth in the very first start area and kill the same little mouse robot over and over for hours. It was pretty sad. After a while, I graduated, though, to, like, you know, walking a bit farther. And I turned out, of course, that, you know, that game is considered, like, one of the hardest video games from the early releases of Nintendo ever. So no wonder I sucked at it. I got my first television because of Nintendo because my parents didn't want me to have a TV in my room, and they were a lot more expensive back then. It's not like everybody, you know, you go down the store, you can buy a flat screen for $20. But my first TV was a, like, old knob TV that had just had, like, the two, the UHF knob and the VHF knob. Um, but the antenna was, like, ripped out. It couldn't actually receive any of the channels on... UHF was the higher frequency? Whatever it was. Um... It literally couldn't play any television, and it was probably 11 inches, and it had a really bad, like, sync refresh on it, but it let me have my Nintendo in my bedroom. So to me, that was, like, the coolest TV ever, and I had that TV for years, because it was my Nintendo TV. Okay, it's time for our Do You Remember trivia. On the NES, can you name the first officially licensed NES game whose cartridge was a different color than the standard gray? Ooh, okay. Got your answer? Let's see what our panel said. Oh, would that have been Zelda? With a gold cartridge? Um, yeah, I guess I'd have to go with Zelda. Legend of Zelda, that was gold. Oh, the first one. See, now since you're asking me that, we can't go with Zelda. Uh, shout out to the gold cartridge because that would be too easy. So it had to be a black cartridge. I'm thinking, but those were, might have been knockoffs. Hmm. Hmm. I don't. I don't want to overthink it. So I'm just gonna say Zelda. Oh wow. I can't even remember any games that. Oh. Uh, it has to be Legend of Zelda. Cool. I feel like there was a bunch of, like, black ones at first or something. No, 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 the sticker's black. Um, and the Tengen games or Tengen or whatever, like Gauntlet and stuff, weren't official. Uh, uh, um, Legend of Zelda. The first, well, I'll tell you the first one I remember being not the standard color. And we had it, and I'm wondering if I still have it in my closet, uh... Legend of Zelda was gold. The box and the game itself was uh, like a shiny C-3PO gold. Was that uh, Legend of Zelda 
Wasn't wasn't one of the Zelda games gold? <laughs> Legends of Zelda? Oh, I'm trying to think because I actually have a couple carts like that. Um, I'm gonna go with my F-15 City War because I know I have that, and I think it has a different cartridge. If you could bring back one breakfast cereal from the 80s, what would it be? Oh, there were so many good ones. There's just so many to choose from. The 80s were great because they, I mean, cereal was just like everything else. They, everything was marketed towards the kids, you know? Now, E.T. brings his own favorite cereal to you. New E.T. cereal, made with E.T.'s favorite flavors, chocolate and real peanut butter, shaped like E's and T's. Crunchy bears of fun for breakfast. Sweet crunchy corn taste will drive you a Teaming up with Mr. T cereal It's getting on the team The team that knows how cool breakfast can be You get a crispy corn taste with a touch of brown sugar Teaming up with Mr. T It's cool It's spring cleaning time in Strawberry Land Come to help? Like to help myself to your strawberry shortcake cereal Sure Morning kids, it's a Pac-Man day With my crispy corn cereal coming your way with marshmallows. Delicious. Hey, Smurf, let's surprise Papa with breakfast in bed. Yeah! Smurf Berry Crunch is fun to eat. A Smurfy fruity breakfast treat. Made by Smurf so happily, we taste like crunchy Smurfberries. I hate cows. It's here. A smashing taste. A honey nut flavor part of your complete breakfast. Batman cereal. Time to make the donuts. Introducing a big idea from a giant in the business, the world's smallest donuts. Ta-da! In new Dunkin' Donuts cereal. You know, I wasn't big in the cereals back then. Uh, my parents never really let us have any of the sugar cereals, but I guess if I could bring one back, I'd want the G.I. Joe action stars. Just because I'd want to see the box on the shelf. You know, I'd love to see G.I. Joe anywhere, let alone in the grocery store aisle. So bring back the action stars. Ryan, got your new cereal. How's it look, Duke? All clear. Go for it. Hit it! Introducing G.I. Joe Action Stars brand cereal, a delicious part of this complete breakfast. Crunchy stars that taste great. So, for all you action stars... Bye, Mom! G.I. Joe Action Stars! The G.I. Joe enthusiast in me says G.I. Joe Action Stars, but as far as taste is concerned, I don't, I don't remember those being all that good. A little... taste a little cinnamony, and, but I think they got soggy pretty quick. Um, I, I don't even know if my memory served me correct, but I think there was like a, like a s'mores cereal that was... it was like... Golden grams, but it had marshmallows in it, and then I might have had like little bits of chocolate or something chocolate-ish in it. It's like s'mores something, s'mores, s'mores grams or or something like that. So if that cereal that that I'm describing actually existed, that's that's what I want to bring back. I do you remember Smurfberry? And I did enjoy that cereal. It was one of the fond ones I remember begging mom to get. I remember Mr. T cereal. I think I tried it once, and that's as far as it went. I wasn't as uh, captivated as Pee Wee Herman seemed to be. Uh, I do remember Pac-Man, and as much as I like marshmallows, I think uh, 
I think they had a hair too many. I could be wrong. I would really have to go with the s'mores. I remember it fondly. I remember uh, enjoying it. So, yeah, it'd have to be the, the s'mores. It'd have to come back like full onslaught. Time for breakfast. Okay. This is tough because I got like three favorites that are no longer with us. So, all right, so we got to think we're going to go Rocky Road. We got Rocky Road, we got s'mores, and we got ice cream cones. Now, uh, Rocky Road had the dancing uh, corn puffs. It was like a vanilla guy and a chocolate guy, and they were they were cool. And then and then s'mores. S'mores was just delicious because you had your your, your graham cracker, and then it was like a slice of chocolate and marshmallows in there. But I'm gonna go with ice cream cones, and I'll tell you why. Because ice cream cones had ice cream Jones, and ice cream Jones was a guy that had the old ice cream thing that you know you had pedals like a bike, but he had the ice cream on the on the front, and he always sang a song, and he'd tell, <laughs> tell you about tell you about his delicious cereal. And uh, I used to love that cereal because it would have um, like graham cracker, sugar cone cones in it. And then it would have like puffs of uh, uh, vanilla and chocolate. And it was incredible sauce. So we're going to go. We're going to go there. Who are you waiting for? Ice Cream Jones. A new ice cream cone cereal. My name's Ice Cream Jones. I'm bringing the kids my ice cream cones. A crunchy new cereal for breakfast. A great taste of ice cream cones. I instantly knew exactly what my answer would be because I've lamented its disappearance forever uh, because it was probably on the shelves for about 20 seconds, but it was the Nintendo system, Nintendo Entertainment System cereal. The box was, it was a cereal box, but half the picture was for Mario and half for Zelda, and inside were two half bags, you know, so same height, but not as wide. Uh, of cereal and one side was Mario, Super Mario and the other side was Legend of Zelda and on the back was like, you know, typical Nintendo activity cereal box stuff the cereal was awful and I ate it every single morning if we had it on in our pantry because it was the Nintendo cereal and I mean, how could you not? Unfortunately one of them, I don't remember which, but either Mario was like really horrible and Zelda was just okay or Zelda was super, and so I always ended up with like all the Mario cereal being gone, and then I would tell my mom or my dad like, "Oh, we're out," and they're like, "Did you eat both bags or just the one?" And I'm like, "Well, just the one," and like, "You're not getting a new box till you finish the other bag," so I'd be forced to endure several days of whatever the other cereal was. But you know, I was a kid, and product branding worked on me really really well you could sell me anything if you put the mario logo on it Nintendo. It's for breakfast now. Nintendo. It's the cereal. Wow. Nintendo. oh this is so easy because i mean it's it, the, the thing is bring back Sorry, Frosted Flakes still around, Lucky Charms still around, stuff like that. 
But I remember to this day a little-known serial called Morning Funnies. And the whole idea was, like, take take your stereotypical picture of, you know, the morning breakfast and the kids are reading the back of the cereal boxes and dad's reading the paper and mom's cooking because, you know, sexism. And what they did was they made uh, this box cereal, just, you know, your usual, like, bits of grain and some marshmallows and it's supposed to look like stuff, but it doesn't. However, the box was full of comic strips. And even the back of it even folded out to reveal more comic strips. And it was like Family Circus and High and Lois and Marvin and all these other ones on there. And every time there was a new shipment or a new box or, you know, like whatever's on the shelf got spoiled, there'd be a new one. And it would have new comics on it, too. So, I like, there were boxes and boxes of it at home because I didn't want to get rid of it because then I couldn't read them anymore. <laughs> Dennis, what's so funny? We're getting funny cereal, Mr. Wilson. May I see? You asked for it. You asked for morning funnies. You're asking for some fun. Suddenly, your favorite funnies are all over a new cereal called Morning Funnies. The fruit taste is wild. A secret panel opens for more great comics. Morning Funnies is a delicious part of my complete breakfast. Part of me wants to go with, like, the Gremlin cereal because I love that movie so much. And there's not a ton of, like, uh, Gremlins merchandise besides, like, book and record sets. And I kind of like to have, like, a, a box of cereal or something like that. But it was kind of a plain, boring cereal. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, the Slimer cereal, the, the real Ghostbusters uh, cereal. For one, because it had a, an awesome box. And if they re-released it with, like, a retro-style box, again, please make Ghostbusters 3 just so I can have merchandise brought back. I need a high C ecto cooler and uh, the Slimer cereal. There's a cereal in the neighborhood. New Slimer ghosts through flavored oats. Ghostbusters with milk and juice and toast. A complete breakfast with the ghosts. The one thing I did love about the 80s is, again, being a movie guy, everything, every movie had cereal, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, Batman had a cereal. Ghostbusters had a cereal. Gremlins had a cereal. Um, so it may be one of those, but the one that I always remember really digging was Nerds cereal, based off the, the famed candy with the dual sides, to the point where the cereal had two sides, so you had to pick which cereal you were going to have, or you just combine the two. But, uh, yeah, Nerds was, was the way to go for me. Big question about new nerd cereal is... Orange flavor on this side. Cherry flavor on this side. So, which side? so delicious, I can't decide. The one I think I'm going to pick to come back, and not because it was a great cereal, I just concept was great, was C-3PO's cereal. I uh, loved all the artwork for it. It had great masks on the back. The box art was fantastic. It was essentially like Captain Crunch, but uh, maybe like a honey sweetened Captain Crunch. Um, I mean, it was good. I just, I was a big fan of Star Wars. That thing hit home. Breakfast cereal, great artwork. Loved it. I still like the packaging, and I have some some samples of it that I've gotten in recent years. So C-3PO's would be the one I would want to bring back. Now, it's here. The excitement, the adventure of a new force at breakfast. We'll call them C-3PO's. New C-3PO cereal from Kellogg's. Twin rings, phase together. For two crunches and every double O. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Now you can experience the taste of Kellogg's C-3PO's. 
A crunchy new force at breakfast. May the force be with you. Okay, it's time for our food trivia. Which of these was not an actual cereal from the 80s? Nintendo cereal, ALF cereal, or Cabbage Patch Kids cereal? Yuck. Okay, you got your answer? Let's see if our panelists got it. Oh. Well, I, I know Nintendo cereal definitely was. So it's either ALF or Cabbage Patch Kids. Well, I was a big ALF fan, so I'm, I'm guessing that if they did have an ALF cereal, I would have tried it. So I'm going to go with ALF. Um, I'm going to go with... Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Alf. I remember Alf ice cream, but I don't remember Alf cereal. Well, obviously, with my answer, I know that it's Nintendo's not the answer because I ate it. Um, uh, Alf cereal probably would what would it have been like pieces of cat? That would have been so awkward to sell that. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Alf cereal because I don't think that it was as marketed towards kids as Cabbage Patch. I know Nintendo was, um, and I know, surprisingly, Cabbage Patch Kids was, so I'd have to say ALF, which surprises me, because when you said ALF, I thought, oh yeah, there was totally an ALF cereal. There should have been an ALF cereal, but I don't think there was. Uh, that one's easy for me, ALF. ALF never had a cereal. But if he did, the, uh, the little clusters or whatever should have been shaped like cats. I know NES is definitely one. I don't remember an elf cereal, so I'm going to say elf. I would have to say uh, elf is not a cereal. Okay, that's going to do it for the trivia. Let's tally up the scores. Well, it looks like Wyatt and Eric both pulled off a comeback to get three out of six correct and avoid the wedgie. Eric got the last two questions correct, and Wyatt got the very last question correct to both earn three points. But our supreme champion is once again Tank, going a perfect six for six. Brian, Hail Mary, Eclectic, and Sean going five for six. Kevin and Pax both got a respectable four out of six. So congratulations to Tank for once again winning Topic Trivia. So with the end of Trivia, that can only mean one thing. We've reached the end of our show. It's time to roll the credits. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of the Rediscover the 80s podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. I look forward to your feedback, and you can do that on our Facebook page, at RD80s on Twitter. You can also leave a review and star rating on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I'd like to once again thank our podcast panel. I invite you to log on to podcast.rediscoverthe80s.com and visit our panelist page to connect with our panelists from this episode and from the pilot episode as well. 
Thanks to the music artist that provided some of the background music. You can find those tracks by visiting Rediscover the 80s on SoundCloud. If you've got any suggestions or would like to be a future panelist on the Rediscover the 80s podcast, send me an email, jason at rediscoverthe80s.com. Hope you will stick around for the episode 2 outtake reel after the credits. And until next time, my name is Jason Gross. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Rediscover the 80s podcast. The Rediscover the 80s podcast is a Sock of Flea Gulls production. I don't know what it is, but when you said Pitfall, I'm like, that's like a genuine connection. If you liked Indiana Jones, your your favorite game was Pitfall. Exactly. (laughs) And mine was. Yeah. For the longest time. It turned me off because I couldn't do anything on Pitfall. Pitfall. Pitfall was like that Mario level because if you didn't drop down... At a certain spot, you just kept running over the same thing, swinging over the same pond with the same alligator. And it pissed me off because I had no damn idea what to do. (laughs) Next screen's got to have that goal. Exactly. And then you drop down a level and you're like, okay, let me get going. And you you hit the brick wall and you go go back like three levels up or down and – it was it was like a big maze. Yeah, then you always always play that game, and I would run, I would swing over the thing, and then I would jump over the scorpion uh, forty five times before I figured out what the hell I was doing. <laughs> it always freaked me out when we got when you got to the uh, the lake, and there was just the alligators. You had to jump on their eyes. Right, and I didn't know you had to do that because I would jump on the I would jump on the mouth when they closed the mouth because that's a longer piece, yeah. <laughs> and I would die. I literally did not know you had to jump. I, I mean, till I was like twenty something, I did not know <laughs> that you had to jump. I had, I needed the internet to tell me, oh no, you just jump on the the eyes on the on their head, and you know, I literally <laughs> never knew. I, I stopped playing that game because I couldn't do it. There was a store in the mall that was that was near my house when I grew up. Um, that was entirely just Nintendo, and they had about six um, systems and you know, and TV set up for for you to go in and, and just play games. It was like nice. a free arcade, but uh, the store I uh, was probably there for a year or two, and then it was just gone. So I'm thinking that probably they didn't sell any games. Everybody just went in and played the games for free and then left. <laughs> Didn't didn't get in the whole testing idea, I guess. Yeah, a whole Nintendo store. Now that would be awesome. Yeah, but I remember. Wow. I remember exactly where it was in the mall. Too. It was upstairs from the food. So <laughs> this is uh, the Crystal Mall, in Connecticut. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. Oh God, Hills. I love Hills so much. Hills is where the toys are, man. What they had the best toy section. I'm okay. I grew up an hour north of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. If you're, I don't know how familiar with New York from when you're in Pennsylvania, but I was an hour north of Syracuse, New York, and there was a Hills department store, and that toy section was the greatest thing in the world. It was. <laughs> I remember up until, um, I don't know how old I was, but we went to Hills. 
it had to be at least like 88 or 89. <clears throat> it was late 80s. And I remember, uh, you know, the show Mask, not the, <laughs> I bought, not the share. I bought every uh, Mobile Armored Strike Command. Yes. Yes. Mask. Yes. I bought every Mask vehicle set they had because they had clearance them down to a dollar each. And oh, my God. Gosh, you're kidding me. No, no. And I mean, yeah, probably around the same time, 88, 89. That's how I got my Boulder Hill because it was on, it was marked down on clearance and there was two left. And I had <clears throat> I had a few of the vehicles. And, you know, I said to mom, I was like, mom, I will be your slave if you will buy me this. <laughs> and she did. And I remember, you know, like working <laughs> to pay for it. <laughs> and then my other memory is... Uh... I don't know if it quite counts as a Nintendo memory, but it was my dad staying up late playing Tetris and letting us watch him play Tetris. And he was like some sort of Bobby Fischer on this game. And my mom yelling to put the kids to bed because it was like 12 o'clock, you know, midnight. (laughs) And he would let us watch Tetris way past our bedtime. (laughs) Wow. Watching you play, t- well, no, I, I mean, I can remember a point where, you know, watching uh, Nintendo was just about as cool as playing it. You know, absolutely. When it first came out, yeah. And uh, you know, you're in the toy store, and they got one set up, and there's, you know, some kid that's been there. His mom dropped him off at eight, and here it is, two o'clock in the afternoon, and <laughs> he hasn't let anybody else play, and you know, but you're still, you know, just, you know, enamored with. Mario Brothers, you know. <laughs> I mean, Simon never had a cartoon, but do you remember the Rubik's Cube cartoon? Yes, I do. Very good. Yes. Back to back with uh, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do remember that. I was huge into Pac-Man back then, which I guess we'll get into in a minute. But, yeah, that's really the only reason I remember that. It was because it was it was back to back. Such a weird show. That's, that's, it was that's, great. That's up there with, uh, you know, Turbo Team. It's just mm-hmm. when he was put together, he was a talking crime-solving entity, but when he got messed up, nothing. Right, right. <laughs> it, was, it was the weirdest thing. You know, you look at it now, you're like, was he an alien or what, you know? Why weren't they, why weren't they afraid of him? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy there you guy. Go. We should, uh, <laughs> let's do like a fake trailer of like a live-action Rubik's Cube movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There are actually two versions of that video. Do you know that? There's a video uh, of Mickey. There's a video with cheerleaders, and then there's another video where she's running around with her band, and that's almost even more unwatchable than the uh, cheerleader version. <laughs> so seek it out on I YouTube. Did, it's it's bad. You th- I did not know yeah, that. You thought the original was bad. That one's even worse. I don't know if that's the director's cut. I think that's how it's labeled, but, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Well, but, maybe they released the uh, cheerleader one first and got all the blowback and had to create another one. You know, I don't know if anyone was giving blowback in the eighties. I mean, that was that was the eighties. I mean, that's, that's sad that's true. truth. Favorite car? Maybe did you like the black Ferrari versus the white one? Any any kind of insight into that? No, I, I know. I know. As a kid, like I only had eyes for Lamborghinis. So if there wasn't a Lamborghini Countach, I wasn't paying attention. That was like that was like my my car back in the eighties. You're, you weren't the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Very good answer. Very good. Yeah, as long as you're not picking uh, ET series. <laughs> no. That was the 
for me, that was the worst of the worst because it couldn't decide if it was either chocolate or peanut butter. And it was like <laughs> some kind of it, – it was nothing like, you know, the Reese's – yeah, the, pieces that it probably intended to be. Yeah, yeah, like the, the ones um, they have out now, the Reese's Puffs is probably what they were trying to do because that's actually a pretty good cereal. Exactly. But it's, yes. it's like the prototype Reese's Puffs, and it's like <laughs> it was it was a failed prototype of Reese's Puffs. <laughs> I tell people it it looked and it tasted like probably what they used to form the ET puppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was just, oh, it was nasty. Or, or, I mean, they succeeded if they were trying to put in cereal form. The, the taste of the cereal was akin to playing the Atari video game. <laughs> nice, yes. 